0: Greetings, my friends, and welcome to yet another edition of the Royal Ramble on this snowy Sunday afternoon here in Toronto. I'm your host, as always, Blaine the Brain, and I don't know about you guys, but my brain is on complete pro wrestling overload after this weekend, and it doesn't even end with just one weekend. It continues into next weekend as the NXT brand presents Vengeance Day next Saturday. I'll get into that in a bit. I've got a lot to talk about today, so I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get right into it, starting with my review of the 2023 Royal Rumble, which wrapped up just about 12 hours ago. Now, for those of you who listened in last week, you should know that I wasn't overly impressed with the build for this show, or lack thereof. But I felt that when all was said and done, parts of the show really delivered, and they hammered home some key moments and angles heading into WrestleMania season, while other parts of the show kind of fell flat. Country star Hardy was the musical guest of the night, and probably the only Hardy who was granted access to the building in San Antonio last night. He also narrated the opening video montage, which I thought was very well done. The WWE has really stepped it up with these highlight packs lately. Michael Cole and Corey Graves were your commentators last night, or so we thought. It started that way, but they were soon joined by the returning Pat McAfee, who received a massive ovation in Texas. And right away, we got into the Men's Royal Rumble match to kick off the show. I thought the positioning of this match was kind of weird, but by the end of the show, it kind of made sense in terms of pacing. The familiar music of Imperium hit, and before I get to the match, I have to say that this was probably one of the only recognizable themes of the whole night. Most of the time, I had to actually wait until the entrant came out before I knew who it was. The WWE really needs to step up their theme song game. I'm tired of all these generic songs for talent. So Gunther starts the match, and he's soon joined by the number two entrant, Sheamus. This was very well done, as everyone remembers the great match they had at Clash at the Castle last year. They didn't have too much time to get the crowd into it, but it was good for what it was. The Miz came out at number three and just kind of hung around at ringside until Sheamus chased him around and back into the ring where Gunther just about chopped some skin off of his chest. There was kind of a funny spot early where Gunther and Sheamus went to lay into each other with chops, but they kept on missing each other and hitting Miz. Royal Rumble escape artist Kofi Kingston comes out next, though he may have lost that title after last night. I'll get to that spot a little later. Johnny Gargano comes out at number 5 and stakes out Miz on the apron against the top rope, basically setting him up for Sheamus to deliver the 10 beats of the Baldron. Sheamus then bro-kicks Miz out for the first elimination. Xavier Woods comes out at number 6, and there was a spot where he and Kofi teased going at it, as it's every man for himself, but they ended up doing some ridiculous butt-slap taunt instead. Karrion Cross comes out at 7, followed by Chad Gable at 8 and Drew McIntyre at 9. Drew quickly eliminates Cross, who continues to float right down the card. Drew then has a bit of a confrontation with Gunther. Santos Escobar comes out at 10, followed by Angelo Dawkins at 11. And then there was a terrible spot. Woods ends up saving Kofi from elimination, only to get eliminated himself by Gunther. Gunther then launches Kofi off the apron, and I think he was supposed to land on one of the commentators' chairs, but he totally botched it and fell. He might have tweaked his ankle on the way down, but it didn't look good, and I guess that meant he was eliminated. Brock Lesnar makes his presence felt at number 12. He's immediately attacked by Drew and Sheamus, but manages to fight them off, and then quickly disposes of Escobar, Dawkins, and Gable, just one after the other. Lesnar then has his own stare down with Gunther, which brought the crowd to its feet. They didn't really get to do too much, but it was a nice tease for a future program until Bobby Lashley entered at number 13 and speared everyone in sight, including Brock. Brock came back and tried for an F5 on Lashley, but Lashley slid out the back door and clotheslined Brock right out for a surprising elimination. But of course, Lesnar didn't leave too easily, he was destroying equipment at ringside, attacking referees, and ended up assaulting the number 14 entrant Baron Corbin with an F5 on the floor before finally making his exit. I would think this finally establishes Brock as a heel, but who even knows at this point. Seth Rollins comes out at number 15, he tosses Corbin into the ring, and then right back out to eliminate him. Otis comes out at 16, and then at 17, we heard the music of Rey Mysterio, but he never made his entrance, and the announcers were wondering what happened. Meanwhile, Lashley tries to power slam Seth, but Seth gave Lashley a taste of his own medicine by wiggling his way free, and then throwing Lashley out. At number 18 is Dominic Mysterio, and he's wearing his father Rey's mask, so I guess he must have attacked Rey in the back and prevented him from coming out. Drew and Sheamus work together to dump out Otis as Elias comes out at 19. He gets into the ring and smashes a guitar over Gunther's back, so I guess he's supposed to be a heel, although he did attack another heel, so I'm not too sure. There was a nice spot where Drew and Sheamus set up Elias and delivered a combination bro kick and claymore before tossing him out. Finn Balor comes out at number 20 and teams with Dominic to eliminate Gargano, who was in the match for a pretty long time. The first, I guess, surprise entrant of the night is Booker T at number 21. He hits all of his signature moves and then finally is spin a spin Rooney before he's finally thrown out by Gunther, who's still in the match after coming out at number one. In fact, the second entrant, Sheamus, is also still in the match at this point, which is pretty impressive. Damian Priest comes out at number 22, so Judgment Day is now fully represented. Montez Ford comes out at 23, and Priest almost immediately eliminates him. And then at 24 is the returning Edge, who we haven't seen since Extreme Rules. He makes a beeline for Judgment Day and attacks them with Spears. Edge manages to eliminate Balor and Priest and then has a stare down with Seth. But before they can renew their rivalry, Dominic attacks Edge from behind and then Priest and Balor return to ringside and assist Dominic to, to eliminate the Hall of Famer. Austin Theory comes out at 25, and Edge starts attacking Priest and Balor in the entranceway until Rhea Ripley runs out and attacks him from behind, which of course leads to the return of Edge's wife, Beth Phoenix, who almost spears Rhea right out of her shoes. Omos comes out at 26 and cleans house until Braun Strowman comes out at lucky number 27 and eliminates Omos. Ricochet comes out at 28 as Gunther eliminates both Drew and Sheamus. Logan Paul makes his return at 29, and in a hilarious spot, everyone just stops what they're doing and attacks him. And then it's the return we were all waiting for as Cody Rhodes conveniently comes out at number 30. And this is supposed to be a random drawing? Right. Cody eliminates Dominic, and then there's a fantastic spot where Logan Paul and Ricochet are staring each other down from opposite sides of the ring... They're both standing on the apron and meet each other head-on with springboard clotheslines leaping about halfway across the ring. This was probably the highlight reel spot of the night. I loved it. Strowman saves Ricochet from being eliminated for some reason, only to be dumped out himself by Cody, and then Theory tosses Ricochet out almost immediately afterwards anyway. Rollins then hits a stomp on Theory, leading to his elimination at the hands of Cody, Cody then has a face-off with Seth, but the two of them surprisingly work together to double-team Gunther, who is amazingly still in this match at this point. I loved how he was booked in this match. As Rollins goes for a pedigree on Gunther, Logan Paul, who we all forgot about, sneaks up from behind and tosses Seth out. Cody then eliminates Paul, and it's down to Cody and Gunther. These two got some serious time here as the final two participants, and Cole noted that this is the first time in Rumble history that the final two comes down to number one and number 30. As an homage to his brother, Cody delivers a bit of shattered dreams in the corner. Gunther starts to make his comeback and goes for a power slam. Cody fights free and finally eliminates Gunther to win his first Royal Rumble. And then, of course, we got the first WrestleMania sign point of the night. I thought this match was really well done. They did a great job of advancing storylines and creating new ones, and they really elevated some select talent. My only issue is that there weren't many genuine surprises, which is what the whole reputation of the event was built on. The show kind of took a turn for the worse from there, as we went right into not only just the pitch black match, but the Mountain Dew pitch black match between LA Knight and Bray Wyatt. Look, I understand that there needs to be a break in the action between Rumble matches, but this was ridiculous, and the WWE writers should probably look up the meaning of Pitch Black, because this match wasn't. It more closely resembled a glow-in-the-dark mini-putt setting, and halfway through the match, I was expecting Naomi to make her entrance. In the ring, it actually wasn't as bad as I expected. Wyatt had the early advantage until Knight reverse whipped him into the steps at ringside. Knight then launched himself off the barricade and clotheslined Wyatt with both guys crashing through the announce table. Back in the ring, Knight tried to attack with a kendo stick, but Wyatt caught him and planted him with Sister Abigail, and that was all she wrote, or so we thought. After the match, Wyatt stalked Knight all the way up the entrance ramp. Knight tried to hold him off with a kendo stick, but Wyatt eventually locked on the mandible claw and placed Knight on top of some wooden platform. Wyatt then looked up and saw the figure of Uncle Howdy, who jumped off a riser, crashing right onto Knight with a massive elbow drop, and fortunately it ended there. Unfortunately, it looks as though this program may continue. Bianca Belair versus Alexa Bliss was up next for the Raw women's title. And this is another match that actually wasn't as bad as I expected, but probably could have been had on television. They both came out swinging right out of the gate, and the basic finish was Bliss going for her version of Sister Abigail, with Bianca countering into a KOD for the win. And then after the match, some kind of cryptic video comes up on screen with images of Bliss as the Harley Quinn character, as Bray Wyatt's voice echoes throughout the arena repeating the words, Do you feel in charge? This leads into the women's Royal Rumble match. Rhea Ripley comes out at number 1 and is still holding her ribs to sell Beth Phoenix a spear from earlier. She's joined by number 2, Liv Morgan. Dana Brooke makes her return at number 3, and I tell you, every time I heard a song I didn't recognize, I thought it was a surprise, and I was utterly disappointed. So once again, I say WWE really needs to step up their theme song game. Emma comes out at number 4, followed by Shayna Baszler at 5 and Bayley at 6. Bailey is met head-on by Liv Morgan's oblivion right away, but still manages to avoid elimination. Hit Rose B-Fab is out at number 7, and is the first elimination of the match thrown out by Rhea. NXT Women's Champion Roxanne Perez comes out at number 8, and delivers an impressive-looking double-rotation flying head scissors to Rhea. Dakota Kai comes out at number 9, followed by Io Sky at 10, so much like Judgment Day in the men's match, damage control is now fully represented. One thing I noticed in both Rumble matches is that there were a lot of people saving others from elimination, which was kind of weird. In this instance, Dana Brooke saves Emma as kind of a throwback to their former team for the two people who remember that, but they both end up being thrown out by Damage Control. Damage Control also tosses out Roxanne, and then Natalia comes out at number 11, followed by Candice LeRae at 12. Apparently Shayna Baszler was responsible for breaking the nose of a Natalya, and for the life of me, I cannot remember this at all. But they go at it on the apron, and Shayna ends up locking in the Karafuta clutch, only for both of them to be dumped out by Damage Control. NXT's Zoe Stark is out next at 13, followed by Ziya Lee at 14. Damage Control eliminate Candice at this point as well, and then Becky Lynch comes out at number 15. Before even getting into the ring, she fights off damage control at ringside, but the numbers are too much for her, and they end up throwing her right over the announce desk. Tegan Knox comes out at 16, followed by Asuka at number 17, and Asuka is sporting a new look, complete with blue and white face paint and a new mask, which I kind of dig. Asuka eliminates Knox. Piper Niven comes out at 18, and she kind of reminds me a bit of Dewdrop, whatever happened to her. Tamina is out next at 19, she goes face-to-face with Niven, and they signal teaming up only to go at it. Becky then gets back in the ring and goes right back after damage control as former Impact star Chelsea Green makes her return at number 20 and totally gets the bushwhacker treatment as she's immediately tossed out by Rhea. I'm sure Chelsea is glad she ever came back. Becky manages to eliminate Dakota and then Io, but Bailey gets the best of her and throws Becky out, only to be eliminated herself by Liv, which was kind of surprising. Becky and Damage Control fight all the way to the back as Zelina Vega comes out at number 21 and is apparently dressed as the Street Fighter character Jury as she voices over the character in the new video game. She fights on the apron with Zaya Lee, which kind of resembles a Street Fighter fight. Zelina gets the best of it and tosses Zaya out. Raquel Rodriguez comes out at 22, followed by Mishin at 23, Lacey Evans at 24, and then at 25, Michelle McCool's music hits. Michelle was spotted earlier in the night with her children at ringside, so she gets right up out of her seat and joins the match in the ring and immediately dumps out Tamina. Indy Hartwell from NXT comes out next at 26, followed by Sonya Deville at 27. Sonya throws out Zoe Stark. Shotzi comes out in her tank at 28, and Sonya eliminates Indy. Apparently Sonya has a problem with NXT. Nikki Cross comes running out at 29 and just goes wild on everybody with arms flailing. And then at number 30 is another genuine surprise as Nia Jax returns to the WWE. She's not like most girls, but she sure hurts most girls. Fortunately, she didn't have much time to do that in this match as everyone in the ring just teams up on her. Nia manages to shove them off, and then has a stare down with Raquel, who attempts a slam, but is unable to get Nia up. Rhea then tries her own luck, but also has trouble. She does manage to plant Nia with kind of a half-riptide, though, and this leads to everyone in the ring teaming up to throw Nia out, which was kind of a throwback to the classic Andre the Giant spot. Raquel eliminates Lacey, and then Asuka eliminates Sonia from the apron, Rhea eliminates Michelle, and is just one elimination after the next at this point, as Michin throws out Shotzi. Piper then throws Michin out, who lands right on top of Shotzi. Raquel then displays her strength and eliminates Piper. And then she attempts the Tejada bomb on Rhea, but Rhea uses some leverage and ends up eliminating Raquel using Raquel's own momentum. Liv then eliminates Cross, and the final three are Rhea, Liv, and Asuka. There was a very exciting conclusion here as all three are fighting on the apron. Asuka ends up spraying Liv with mist, only to be eliminated by Rhea, and is down to the first two entrants. Liv manages to sweep Rhea's legs out from under her, and Rhea is hanging from the top rope with her hands, and I'm panicking at this point, thinking that Liv might actually win. Fortunately, Rhea is able to use her strength, and head scissors live right off the apron to the floor, so Rhea Ripley wins the match from the number one position. And then we get more Mania sign pointing. Before the main event, we got a live performance by Hardy, and I admit that I use this as my bathroom break, but probably not much to speak of here anyway. Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens for the WWE Universal Championship closes the show, and Reigns is accompanied not only by Paul Heyman, but also by Sami Zayn. There's a Sammy Uso chant to start, and then the action spills to the floor almost right away as Owens hits a senton backsplash out there, and later in the match delivers a frog splash off the ring apron, and again in the ring for an earfall. Roman mounts a comeback, but misses the spear, going shoulder-first into the ring post. Owens capitalizes with a swanton, but only gets two. Owens then loses his footing as he attempts a twisting moonsault, but rebounds and tries a springboard moonsault, which he misses, and then Reigns hits a spear for two. Later on, Owens goes for a stunner, but Reigns shoves him into the ref, which takes him out of the match. Reigns then delivers a low blow and demands that Sammy pass him a chair, which Sammy reluctantly does, but his hesitation ends up providing an opening for Owens to hit the stunner, however there's still no ref. K.O. then tries the pop-up powerbomb, but Roman meets him with a Superman punch on the way down, and another spear for a nearfall. Owens rolls out to the floor, and Sammy is yelling at K.O. to stay down, but he's doing it in such a way so Roman can't hear, which was brilliant. Roman ends up spearing Owens through the ringside barricade, and then follows him around ringside, and slams him backwards into the steel steps a couple of times with the back of K.O.'s head bouncing off each time, which was uncomfortable to watch. Back in the ring, Reigns starts toying with Owens by slapping him. In a last-ditch effort, KO slaps Reigns right back, but Reigns bounces off the ropes and hits another spear for the final three count. After the match, the rest of the bloodline enter the ring. Jay goes to put the lay on Sammy, but Roman stops him and says they're not done yet. Roman sicks the dogs on KO, and they all take turns beating him down with Sammy being forced to watch on. They place Owens' neck through a chair and set him up in the corner so Solo can hit the running splash like he did to Riddle. Heyman then brings out handcuffs and they cuff Owens to the top rope as the Usos deliver endless super kicks right to the chin. Roman then attempts to finish Owens off with a chair, but Sammy finally steps between them and begs Roman to stop, saying it's beneath him. Roman then hands Sammy the chair and orders him to hit KO. Sammy is very reluctant, and there are tears coming down his face as Roman starts pie-facing him and says when he gives an order, he expects it to be followed. Sammy then whacks Roman in the back with the chair and decides to take what's coming to him. Jimmy drops Zane with a superkick and then Solo pounces on him and hits the Samoan Spike. Everyone then looks at Jay, who looks conflicted and ends up leaving the ring and walking away. Roman then unloads on Zayn with chair shots, and the Bloodline stand over a fallen Zayn and Owens to close the show. Okay, so this went a little longer than it should have, and could have probably been saved for TV. Some people even think it dragged, but I loved it. Moments like this are why I love pro wrestling. This was great, and all performances were outstanding, particularly Jey Uso and Sami Zayn. I can't wait to see what happens next, and I'm just so confused about Cody winning right now, because this is a hotter storyline than anything involving him, so I'm thinking they should probably work Sami Zayn into the title match on Mania somehow. So with one show over, another one is yet to come, and that's NXT Vengeance Day next Saturday. Let's take a look at that card. I know my Rumble rundown took a little longer than expected, so I'm going to try to get through this as quickly as possible, so you can all continue going about your day. The North American title is up for grabs as Wes Lee will be challenged by Dijak. Now, I've never been a fan of Dijak, I never liked him in ROH, didn't like his first run in NXT, and everyone should know how I felt about Retribution. That said, this could be a fun match. I don't see too many title changes on this card, so this could be one of them, but the problem is that I don't see any long-term potential in Dijak, and I think there's more upside to having Lee retain, because he hasn't had much of a run thus far. So I'll pick Lee to keep his belt here, and Dijak hopefully moves on to something else. Then they have the two out of three falls match between Apollo Crews and Carmelo Hayes. Much like Dijak, I've never been high on Apollo. He can have really good matches, though, and I honestly expect this one to steal the show. But I don't see any star potential in him, and I think Hayes has more of a future. Crews has been given countless chances to get over, and he's never been able to reach that brass ring. I can actually see Hayes winning two straight falls here, and I think it's about time he ascends up the card. There will also be a fatal four-way for the NXT tag team titles booked at this event. It'll be New Day defending against Gallus and Pretty Deadly, and a fourth team to be determined this coming week on NXT, which will either be the Dyad, Chase U, or Onofa and Blade. And given the three options, I think the former Grizzled Young Veterans are advancing. In fact, I think they're winning the titles here. I've been very unimpressed with New Day's reign thus far, and I think them being in NXT is just hurting the brand rather than helping. I feel like New Day, especially Xavier, have been burying talent on the microphone, which is never good for business, so I hope this is their last appearance in NXT. The women's tag titles are also in the line, but I wouldn't be shocked if that match gets bumped to the kickoff. It'll be Katana Chance and Caden Carter defending against Kiana James and Fallon Henley. I still don't get the pairing of Henley and James, or why they're supposed to trust each other and I think that'll end up playing into the finish where James just deserts Henley, making her out to be a dumb babyface, and Carter and Chance keeps the belts. Then you have the women's singles title defended by Roxanne Perez against former Toxic Attraction members JC Jane and Gigi Dolan in a triple threat match. I do think Roxanne can be called up to the main roster any day now, and I think Jane and Dolan are a great team, but not into either one as individuals, so I think there's more upside in Roxanne retaining for now. The main event is the cage match between Braun Breaker and Grayson Waller for the NXT Championship. This one has been built very well, and I do think Waller is ready for a run with the belt, because I also think Breaker is ready to be called up. However, given that the build has already started for Mania, I don't think this is the best time for his call-up. And thus, I think the champ retains here, or they do some kind of controversial photo finish or something where Breaker wins by escape, but Waller shows video evidence on television that his feet actually hit the ground first, and they do a rematch on television. So that's what's coming up next, but coming up now is my fantasy forecast where I predict the full card for NXT Stand and Deliver to take place over WrestleMania weekend, I'm guessing. Here's my fantasy card. Braun Breaker vs. Carmelo Hayes for the NXT Championship Grayson Waller vs. Johnny Gargano in a street fight because they have unsettled business Roxanne Perez vs. Cora Jade for the NXT Women's Title Katana Chance and Caden Carter vs. Toxic Attraction for the NXT Women's Tag Team Titles The Dyad vs. The Creed Brothers for the NXT Tag Team Titles Wesley vs. Axiom vs. Nathan Fraser versus Javier Burnell versus Tyler Bate vs. Ilya Dragunov in a six-man ladder match for the NXT North American title. So there you have it. I will be back next week with a recap of NXT Vengeance Day. Until then, I leave you with an A B C.